0: Of these services.
1: You're listening to the news on RTHK.
2: AM, FM, and live online.
1: This is Radio 3.
0: Morning from me, Peter Lewis. This is Money Talk on Radio 3. On Tuesday, the 20th of September. It's 8.03 in Hong Kong, and that means it's time for the business and finance headlines. Hong Kong's unemployment eased for a fourth straight month as domestic activities further picked up. But the government warned that tightened financial conditions may limit the degree of improvement in the labour market. Official data released on Monday showed that the jobless rate for the June to August period stood at 4.1%, inching down 0.2 percentage points from the May to July figure. Underemployment also fell by 0.2 percentage points to 2%. An expert advisor to the government on the pandemic, Yu Kwok-yung, says COVID-19 has become endemic and the authorities should start relaxing restrictions to let life return to normal. According to his team's analysis, the Covid fatality rates from December the 31st last year to September the 14th stood at 0.59%. But if only the data from June onwards is considered after the easing of social distancing measures, the academics said the fati- fatality rate drops to under 0.1%. Federal Reserve officials are on track to raise interest rates by 75 basis points. For the third consecutive meeting, when they meet this week, Fed Fund futures markets are pricing in an 82% chance of a 75 basis point hike and an 18% probability that it could be 100 basis points. The odds of another 75 basis point rise in November have climbed to 60%. And the Bank of England, Bank of Japan and a host of Asian central banks also meets this week. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by James Wong at Lead Securities and Kenny Wen from KGI Asia, the view from Japan is Nick Smith of CLSA. Money talk
3: on, 3.
0: on Wall Street, US stocks oscillated between gains and losses before stabilizing ahead of the Federal Reserve meeting, which starts later today. The S&P 500, which lost almost 5% last week, climbed 0.7% to 3,900. The Dow added 197 points or 0.6% to 31,020 after being down 263 points earlier in the day. The Nasdaq Composite recovered from losses of 1% to close 0.8% higher at 11,535. Vaccine stocks lost a combined 10 billion US dollars of market value after President Biden said the pandemic is over. BioNTech, Moderna, and Novavax closed between six and a half to nine and a half percent lower, while Pfizer dropped 1.2 percent. The pan-European stock 600 index fell 0.1 percent. UK markets were closed for the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. Hong Kong stocks sank to a six-month low yesterday as traders await the outcome of the Fed meeting. The Hang Seng Index fell 196 points, or 1%, to 18,566. The Tech Index slumped 2.1%. The Shanghai Composite eased 0.4% to 3,116. China's major property developers continued to dive in Hong Kong following data on Friday, which showed the housing market slump worsening last month. The Hang Seng mainland properties index tumbled 3.4%. Shares of jeweler Cho Tai Fook rose 6.2% on reports that the Hong Kong government is preparing to scrap hotel quarantine requirements for overseas arrivals. And China's third biggest property developer by sales, China Banky, plans to raise up to 784 million US dollars in Hong Kong from the spin-off of its property management unit, Onewo. In a filing with the Hong Kong exchange, it said it would raise up to 6.2 billion Hong Kong dollars from an IPO of about 117 million shares priced at a range of $47.10 to $52.70 each. Six cornerstone investors will commit to buying over 35% of the IPO or 3.5% of the company's equity. The pricing of onewo is scheduled for September the 22nd and it's due to start trading on September the 29th. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil settled 0.7% higher at $92 a barrel. Gold is unchanged at $1,675 an ounce. U.S. Treasury yields have risen to the highest level in over a decade. The yield on the 10-year bond pushed above 3.5% for the first time since April 2011. And the yield on the more sensitive two-year, interest rate sensitive two-year note rose to a 15-year high of 3.94%. In the currency markets, the US dollar index is unchanged. The euro is trading just above parity with the US dollar. The Japanese yen slipped 0.2% to 143.24 after reaching a 24-year low last week. The Bank of Japan meets on Thursday. Another weak currency, the British pound is up slightly at $1.14 and a third cents and 8 Hong Kong dollars and 98 cents after slipping to the lowest level since 1985 last week and the bank of england also meets on thursday and yesterday the people's bank of china fixed the yuan at 6.9396 per dollar 647 pips stronger than the average estimate of analysts and traders that's the strongest bias on record in an attempt to shore up the yuan the pboc also lowered the borrowing cost of 14 day reverse repos by 10 basis points to 2.15 percent offshore yuan is at 7.005 versus the dollar right now and Bitcoin that dropped 5% to its lowest level in three months before rebounding it's currently trading at $19,500 we are seeing a rebound Around Asia-Pacific stock markets this morning in Australia, the SX200 up 1%. Japanese markets have reopened following a public holiday yesterday. The Nikkei 225 has jumped 1.2% higher. The Cosby in South Korea, 0.9% higher. And futures markets pointing to a gain of 170 points for the Hang Seng at the open this morning. Times 8.10. With us this morning, we have James Wong, Chief Investment Officer and Managing Director at Lead Securities. Morning, James. Good morning, Peter. And also joining us, Kenny Wynn, Head of Investment Strategy at KGI Asia. Morning, Kenny. Good morning. Um, let's start with the Hong Kong unemployment data. The unemployment number is for a fourth straight month. Official d- data released yesterday showed the jobless rate for the June to August period stood at 4.1%, inching down 0.2 percentage points from the May to July figure. Underemployment also fell by 0.2 percentage points to 2%. Improvement in the labour market was most notable in the buildings, decoration, repair and maintenance sector, as well as the arts, entertainment and recreation centre. I presume then, uh, James and Kenny, that as people can't go out as much, they're, they're focusing on um, rebuilding their homes at the moment and apartments. But anyway, it does seem that employment is holding up, doesn't it, despite the, the recession?
4: Okay, uh, I agree that, well, uh, am not surprised that the, uh, the unemployment rate dropped down a little bit because, uh, and you go on the street, you can find that the domestic activity do improve that a little bit. And also, don't forget that we have the consumption voucher, so, which will support the consumption. And one family reminder, some of, some of the invest, uh, some of the people, including me, will receive another round of consumption voucher uh, in uh, in October. So there will be support for consumption. But I do agree that uh, the further uh, improvement for the unemployment rate will be relatively limited. Uh, especially we focus on the financial market. Don't forget the Hang Seng Index dropped down from uh, 20-something thousand to, to, to now is only 18-thousand something. And nowadays the public market may have further may have a little bit downside risk as well, And especially I'm cons- concerned about uh, coming six to nine months because uh, the World Bank just released their uh, latest forecast on global GDP. Uh, They expected that including US, Europe and UK will enter recession at the end of this year or uh, next year. So as Hong Kong is uh, highly uh, uh, affected by the global economy, I worry that um, the the, the unemployment rate not only holding up, uh, but maybe in mid to long term in a worst case scenario, we may have unemployment bounce back again. So, um, of course, I'm not an expert on Hong Kong economy, but I do think that the future economic outlook is relatively uncertain, including Hong Kong.
0: James, what, what are your thoughts? I mean, not bad numbers, are they, for the uh, for the period uh, that it's been reported, but can it continue?
2: No, no, not, not bad numbers at all, but I agree uh, with Kenny. Uh, it's is. Holding up for now, but uh, going forward, we've seen uh, recessionary pressure in most parts of the world, and uh, probably a lot of a, a, a lot more slower. Uh, uh, a lot more slower economy growth in mainland China and I think this is all of these are going to make an impact on the uh, economy of Hong Kong especially like Kenny mentioned the property market in Hong Kong especially the secondary uh, pro- property market has been down some 10 15 percent in price I don't mm-hmm. I think all these added up is not going to be uh, exactly good for the labor market going forward
4: and uh yeah, so Peter, I can, can, yep. can I add one more point? I think one key factor will be our pandemic policy. Uh, if, if, just like someone said that after the mid of October, there will have some relaxation on pandemic policy, that may be improvement or helpful for Hong Kong economy for, for, uh, for mid to long term. So uh, we are looking forward to see how, uh, how the Hong Kong government to execute the policy.
0: Well, there's lots of rumours and reports going round that the uh, the quarantine, the hotel quarantine restrictions are going to be reduced from, what, 3 plus 4 to 0 plus 7. Yeah. I'm, wa- I'm wondering, though, is it enough still? I mean, a lot of people are saying what we need to do really in Hong Kong is reduce absolutely everything. The mask mandates, the requirement to have PCR tests before you get on a flight. Uh, the the quarantine restrictions, everything needs to go now uh, before we can start attracting people back to the city. Do you think that's right? Or do you think this sort of slow bit-by-bit approach is, is the better way?
4: Yes, I agree with Peter. But however, I, I would say it's better than nothing, at least we have some relaxation. Is it better than nothing though? Because we've seen <laughs> so far all these better-than-nothing steps, but well, yet people are
0: still leaving Hong Kong, tourists aren't coming, we're cancelling sporting events. So is
4: it better than nothing? Yeah, you, you make a good point, because what I think that is for midterm, relaxation or step by step will be a, a little bit um, improvement. But for short term, I do <clears throat> I do worry that if uh, if we reduce the quarantine requirement, that will be Hong Kong people going out and not the, uh, the foreign people coming to hong kong so that may be but there's not sh- much we can do about that is there if yes, people exactly, choose to
0: go we can't we can't do a lot about it until we have you know a proper sort of talent policy here
4: but this is short term uh, for midterm uh you, you you mentioned another good point is related to the talent policy so it's a very um a uh, 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 good uh, story or debate we need to need uh, further time to discuss. But anyway, I think a, having once more debt is better than standing up uh, do nothing. Well, what do you think, James? Do, do you agree with this piecemeal approach? Even if we do, you know, go to zero
0: plus seven, it's better than nothing? Or is it still, are we still going to be in the position where we do this, wait a couple of months and find still people aren't coming to Hong Kong?
2: Uh, I think I think it's better than nothing. It's, I think it's better uh, because they are taking baby steps. Uh, it's a bureaucratic uh, organization, and every organization when they start a change, it's not that easy. The, the change is going to be implemented from a very shallow point, and then start to escalate. So I think there's uh, I think a couple of signs are. Uh, promising. Uh, first of all, we've seen the SFC notifying uh, multinational firms that they need their uh, responsible officers. Now let me to, ask you, did you yeah. know that? It's been
0: reported by Bloomberg. The SFC yeah. hasn't commented on that, but do you, you know for sure that is in fact happening?
2: No, I do not. I, I, I personally have not been approached by the SFC. Okay. Neither, neither has our firm. But that's a very interesting stance that the SFC have made, uh, given that the uh, the 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 ground on which they made such demands is that the, uh, the pandemic measures are only temporary. Mm-hmm. But right now, we are seeing most of those measures still largely intact. So the- just
0: to clarify for listeners what, what this yeah. is about, Bloomberg is reporting that the Hong Kong market regulator, the Securities and Futures Commission, is talking to finance firms to bring back their licensed staff that have been working abroad. And apparently the SFC is concerned over operational risks at licensed corporations doing business without a responsible manager located in the city that's the story that's being reported by bloomberg sorry james to interrupt
2: yeah the the sfc usually imposes some strict conditions to those irresponsible officers who do not reside in hong kong and uh, the any false rep- representation of those conditions by made by the uh, the uh, responsible officers uh, might damage their fit and properness uh, for themselves and for the principal they are representing so it's, uh, when SFC made such demands it means they are getting serious about getting those people back to Hong Kong and if they are making those demands based on the fact that or based on the narrative that all of the pandemic measures the, the travel restrictions are temporary, that's probably a heads up to those firms saying that Hong Kong is going to be losing, loosening those uh, restrictions very soon Kenny, do you have any insights on that?
4: I think it makes sense because if you were the RO or top management and overseeing the company located in Hong Kong, and you focus on the daily operation, that makes sense to you stay in Hong Kong, uh, and also it's politically correct because it, it's just related to what you mentioned the talent policy. So bring back the talent to Hong Kong uh, is one of the the solution or what we what the government should do. So I agree, but uh, uh, same with uh, James, I do not rec- uh, receive those requests maybe because James and I are already located in Hong Kong for maybe for the past one to two years so we do not have received this type of request.
0: Now one, one of the costs of all of this fighting the pandemic and all these restrictions and lockdowns is um, government finances both in Hong Kong and on the mainland are deteriorating very sharply. All 31 provisional regions in China with the exception of Shanghai uh, logged, logged a deficit in the first seven months of the year and they face a budget shortfall. The country's tax revenue dropped 12.6% year on year during the January to August period. And here in Hong Kong, Paul Chan said the budget deficit this year is expected to exceed 100 billion Hong Kong dollars, which will be the second worst on record. And that's double what was originally estimated in February's budget. And our financial reserves are going to dip to around 800 billion. How big an issue do you think this is?
4: I do think that it is very important because for in in China, I think not only the pandemic issue also because of the public market because uh, maybe forty percent or fifty percent of the um, uh, the the, the, uh, the government is coming by uh, land sales but nowadays mm-hmm. the, you know that the jobs are not so uh they, it, the revenue decreased, but your your expenses increased are not for the uh, pandemic measures. So uh, it's a really tough measure. But I do think the central government will increase the uh, budget limit for two or two two or maybe two or two in order to go through the pandemic issue. What we can do is we hope uh, the pandemic issue can under control, and when everything can back to normal, then we can have a we can have. Uh, better revenue and reduce the expenses and the financial situation will improve in mid to
2: long run.
0: James, do you think this is an issue? Are taxes going to have to rise to, to cover
2: this, do you think? Uh, you mean in Hong Kong? Yeah. I think I think the stamp, stamp tax already rise uh, was was uh, lifted last year. So it's funny when uh, the finance minister Paul Chan mentioned that the uh, average trading daily trading volume has been down 26% for the five first five months uh, compared to the same time last year. Uh, because probably uh, the the last time he mentioned about uh, raising the uh, stamp tax is the time that uh, that the Hansen index made a local high so it's, <laughs> I, I really don 't know uh, who to blame, but uh, in here in Hong Kong, the property te- properties say uh, land sale revenue and stamp. Stamp tax revenue uh, counts about 30 uh, percent of the entire uh, revenue for the Hong Kong government, about half each, and uh, we've seen land sale uh, not really ideal this year. The first five month is about it's about like 15 percent of the of the of the entire year's mm-hmm. uh, uh, target. So oh, okay. yeah.
0: Um, finally, let me get both of your thoughts on the Fed and the markets. The Fed starts its meeting, its two day meeting later today. We'll get the decision in the early hours of Thursday morning. Uh, F- Fed fund futures markets pricing in an 82% chance of a 75 basis point rise, 18% chance of a 100 basis point rise. Are the markets and is our economy ready for this?
4: Uh, personally, I think uh, for this week, will be 7.5. And uh, I think the market already, already priced in including the economy. But what I'm looking for is the key point should be what will, be, what will the Federal Reserve do next year. So mm-hmm. I think it's uh, relatively important uh, than uh, this week's uh, decision.
2: James? Yeah, uh, I think the the market is pricing a lot more than what the Fed has uh, uh, promised. I think the uh, the year end December 2022 terminal rate expectation is about three. Uh, it's about four point four nine percent, almost four point five percent, and it was about three point six eight percent beginning of uh, of last week. So you've seen how rapidly the market expectations on market uh, on terminal rates have been rising. So with that in mind, I think there are two main themes in US equities. First, the risk rates is going to keep going up and uh, the second, the profits are going to keep going down. So with these two main themes, I think US equity is going to have a hard time going forward. It sounds like it, doesn't <laughs> it? Okay,
0: thank you both very much. That's James Wong, Chief Investment Officer and Managing Director at Leeds Securities. Kenny Wen, Head of Investment Strategy at KGI Asia. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. It's Coming up to 8.24 on the phone from Tokyo is Nick Smith, Japan strategist at CLSA. Very good morning to you, Nick. Good morning, you. Now, the Bank of Japan is going to meet on Thursday with the yen uh, pretty close now to a, a 24-year low. It was uh, touching um, 145 against the dollar um, last week. Um, Nick, wh- where next for the yen? Can it get any weaker from here, do you think?
5: Um. I think we've probably gone as far as we're going to go. Um i mean, obviously the uh, there's a lot of volatility in there but um I think there are a number of reasons for uh, for feeling um uh, feeling that things could change from here. So uh I do think that the uh the, the uh, PPP the price p um purchasing price parity for Japan is, is a very very long way from um, from where the currency is at the moment. I think that ultimately the um the, i think ultimately the the bank of japan is going to uh, to raise its rate um uh, um rates a little bit but i think also the uh, the important thing is even when the us goes into uh, into recession then it'll um a- allow rates to come off a little bit and that's mm-hmm. happened in in every re- recession before so i i think that would end up taking some pressure off the yen
0: the, the thing is that on, on Thursday, the, uh, the Bank of Japan, Kuroda-san, is likely to be the last negative rate sort of holdout in the world, isn't he? So is, isn't this just going to make uh, the yield differential worse or are there other things that are affecting this apart from just the difference in, uh, in bond yields?
5: Well, it is uh, a little uh, surprising in a way when you look at the uh, the currency and say, when were we last here? Well, um, August of of 1998, when the uh, the yen hit... uh 147.66, 147.66, but at the time, in, in 1998, the economy was absolutely um, imploding, so we mm. had the, uh, the, the the final real breakdown in the uh, the banking system uh, that year, whereas Japan is, is in a very different situation at the moment. Japan um, is, uh, on consensus forecast, likely to have the uh, fastest-growing economy of um, of major developed economies next year so it is a little bit surprising that the the economy is quite as uh, as weak as it is at the uh, the moment yes it looks uh, a long way in terms of uh, monetary policy from the rest of the world at the moment um, but the rest of the world will be taking their rates back down again once they get into um, into recession i think there's a decent chance that um, the um, prime minister here in Japan is taking a lot of stick for the uh, inflation that the country is going through at the, at the moment. I mean, it's very small from everybody else's uh, point of view, but um, compared to anything we've seen in Japan for the last three decades or so, it's very, very high and wages aren't going up. So the criticism means that um, Prime Minister Kishida is likely to put in somebody who's a lot more conservative than uh, than Kuroda. That doesn't mean to say that uh, we'll have a, uh, a complete sea change in um, in the way of looking at things. It won't be that dramatic, but I do think that uh, rates will go up um, with a new governor in in April next year.
0: So it seems then that there's two potential consequences of this, or two important ones anyway. First of all, at, at this level of the yen, Japanese companies must be so, so competitive now, mustn't they, compared to, well, almost anyone in the world?
5: Well, that's absolutely true. I mean, one way of uh, looking at this is, is the, the real effect of exchange rate. So, if you get trade-weighted yen, and then you adjust that for the fact that everybody else's prices have been going up, and Japan's haven't, then even in July, um, it was uh, it was fifty-eight percent weaker than it was at the peak in, in nineteen ninety-five. Um, and of course, August is a lot weaker than that. So it make, makes Japan absolutely brutally competitive. The first thing we would like to see is a um, a, a big stepwise uh, change. Will be the reopening of Japan to uh, to tourism, and uh, certainly Japan is uh, imminently about to take away all restrictions on um, on tourists. That should have a a, a big effect. So uh, Japan was. Um, Japan was enduring pretty strong levels of uh, of tourism and, uh, until just before. So, um, just before we hit we were hit by uh, pandemic, we had thirty one point nine million inbound tourists, um, and yet last year it was down to zero point two. Um, they're starting to tick back, but I think with the uh, the reopening, that'll. Um, That'll be a major positive for uh, for things here in Japan. But I think further out, yes, of course, I think we'll get reshoring of uh, of production here in Japan, allowing it to take uh, better advantage of the very weak currency.
0: And on that tourist point here where the Hong Kong dollar, particularly here in Hong Kong, because we're pegged to the US dollar, what a cheap destination Japan looks now for for people uh, traveling from, from Hong Kong. It, it's absolutely dirt cheap, isn't it?
5: It is indeed. So uh, it'll have a feeling of, yeah, let's go to Japan or we can't afford to go to Thailand. Um, (laughs) It's certainly an incredibly uh, uh, cheap currency at the moment. So, uh, yes, I think uh, Japan's gearing up for that um, within the the next few weeks.
0: Okay, Nick, thank you very much for telling us about that. Sadly, we've run out of time. That's Nick Smith, Japan strategist at CLSA in Tokyo. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. And in Tokyo right now, the Nikkei 225 is up 1.2%. The ASX 200 in Australia is up about half a percent right now. Uh, The Cosby in South Korea also moving up. That's up about uh, 1%. And looks like the Hang Seng is going to open about 170 points higher when trading gets going in an hour's time. Thank you very much for listening this morning. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Coming up after the news, back chat with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse. The weather forecast, sunny intervals in a few showers, maximum temperature is going to be around 32 degrees, sunny periods in the next few days, it's going to be a bit windy tomorrow, uh, 29 degrees right now, 80% relative humidity. Times 8.30, here's Andrew Shroski with the half-hour news.
1: Thank you, Peter. Sports Commissioner yeong Tech Kung says the organisers of the Hong Kong Marathon are considering options over holding the event after receiving feedback from runners and the public. November's race was abruptly canceled on Friday, with organizers citing time constraints. Mr. Young told RTHK that it was hoped a decision could be announced as soon as possible.
2: In the past few days,
3: we continue to discuss with them, and we understand that they are
4: considering different options because they uh, receive a lot of feedback from the runners and also from the public. And they understand that a lot of people would like to participate in the
3: marathon. So they are considering ways to address the concern.
1: Leading microbiologist and government advisor, Yeung Kwok-yung, says COVID-19 has become endemic in Hong Kong, and it's time for the government to relax social distancing measures so life can get back to normal. Todd Harding reports.
0: Professor Yun made the remarks in an article he penned with his colleagues from the University of Hong Kong. They wrote that Hong Kong has built a strong shield against severe cases through vaccination and natural infections and noted that the COVID fatality rate from June to September had fallen to less than 0.1%. They said quarantine tests can be removed and a more aggressive approach could be adopted for arrivals than the proposed plan of seven days of medical surveillance. But they also called for a comprehensive monitoring system for new variants of COVID-19 and said the wearing of face masks must remain in
1: place. Queen Elizabeth has been laid to her final rest at a private ceremony in Windsor after a service of committal at St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle. Earlier 500 dignitaries including presidents, prime ministers and royalty from around the world attended the state funeral service at Westminster Abbey. It was the biggest single gathering of global statesmen and women in living memory. In his sermon, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, praised the Queen for leading a life of loving service.
2: Her late majesty famously declared on a 21st birthday broadcast that her whole life would be dedicated to serving the nation and commonwealth. Rarely. Has such a promise been so well kept, few leaders receive the outpouring of love that we have seen.
1: The late Queen's coffin then traveled by Hearst to her final resting place at Windsor Castle. Hundreds of thousands of people lined the route of her final journey. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
3: Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter today is once again Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we'll be talking mostly about the recycling industry. After the Territory's only drinks carton recycler, Mill Mill, said it may have to close down as its lease is not being renewed and it's been told to move out by the end of the year. The pulp plant is situated in Yuen Long in an area run by Hong Kong Science and Technology Parks. The science park says it needs the area for a reindustrialization project that was launched last year and it would continue to discuss the moving out date with the company and may offer a grace period if needed. After 9.15, we'll look at how uh, regional ozone and smoke problems affect our health. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page at Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, email us at backchat at or you can give us a call on 233 88 266. And we're joined uh, now on the line uh, by Harold Yip, who's uh, Executive Director of uh, Mill Mill, and also Chung Shanshan, Shan, a Senior uh, Lecturer at the Department of Biology at Hong Kong Baptist University. Um, perhaps uh, Mr Yip first. Uh, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, on the programme. Uh, can you tell us what is the latest uh, situation now? I see there's a...